Everybody loves to hear good news and a true story. Life's Been Different is a podcast that shares people's testimonies, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and how he changes lives. We believe that this podcast will influence you to live life differently by becoming a follower of Jesus. As you listen to messages straight from heaven and hear radical stories from everyday people whose lives have been made different by Jesus. So get ready to open your heart and encounter him and go and tell the world why your life's been different. Welcome to Life's Been Different. My name is Merlo, and I'm so glad that you are with us today. Today, we have a very special episode. We believe that what you hear today will influence you to live life differently by becoming a follower of Jesus. We pray that you experience his great love and true freedom because whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Today, we have a very special episode in store for you. We have the privilege of hearing the story of why Andrea's life's been different. Andrea is our new friend all the way from South Africa. That's right. This is an LBD Global episode. Now, I don't want to cut any of her testimony out, so I'm not going to do any preaching today myself. Instead, I'm going to allow the entire program to be her story because I do not want to edit anything out. It is so powerful. So lean in with open ears and an open heart, and I'm going to give the entire platform over to Andrea from South Africa. This is such a blessing. I know you will be blessed by it. Lean in and listen why Andrea's life's been different and know that your life can be different too. Hi guys, my name is Andrea Kutsia um, and this is my, my life's been different. So my biological father was a drug addict. Um, my mom eventually left him when I was three months old. And I saw him on and off growing up until the age of two. And the last time I saw him was when I was two years old. I have no recollection of this at all. The only memories I do have are traumatic memories of, you know, trauma that I had to deal with, of him using around me, believe it or not, as a baby. Um, And, yeah, I don't have any good memories about him. Um, and yeah, my mom left him and I never saw him again when the last time I saw him when I was two. We did try and make contact and, you know, it just never worked out. But anyways, my mom always told me he was a really good person. He just had really bad habits. Um, so yeah, it was just my mom and I until I was about four. And then when I was four years old, we moved from Johannesburg, South Africa, to East London, South Africa. And around that age as well, my mom and adoptive father met. Um, And then they got married when I was seven years old. And my dad adopted me at that age too. (laughs) So that was quite amazing for me. Because he's really an amazing father and he's been an awesome example of a father. Um, 
So, so all the while we had a domestic worker who was named Happiness that helped take care of me. You know, my parents worked a lot. My mom was a, a lawyer starting up her own practice. And my dad was also very busy. So she became like a second mom to me. Um, I have vivid memories of her teaching me Kosa. Um, and also she used to read my children's Bible to me. I still have that to this day. And I remember like my parents would read me this Bible on and off. But we were never like big Christians. We never grew up in a big Christian home. Um, and then my parents said that they left the church we were a part of round about, I don't know, when I was seven or before they got married, you know, um, because they said that the church members um, were not happy and approved of them living together and they weren't married. And also they confessed that they were a bit, you know, lazy to go to church. Um so, yeah, um, ever since I was younger, I thought that God spoke to me. Um, happiness got sick when I was, before I was nine years old, before I turned nine. Um, and I knew that her illness was more severe than what people said. Um, I just felt it within me. You know, I could also see that she wasn't herself. Um, and then one night I dreamt that happiness passed away in her sleep. Um, and I just remember waking up holding my kitty, who was named Purdy, Purdy, Purdy. And I was like hugging her so tightly because I thought I was hugging happiness in my little dream. And my cat was so traumatized, like, what are you doing? And I was just crying. Um, and then not too long after that, we were in the car driving to Cape Town, I think it was. Um, and my mom got a call saying that someone passed away. And suddenly I just started crying and saying it was happiness. And my cousin that was with me at the time also remembers it like this, you know. And then my dad was like, no, it's not, don't worry. And then my mom came in the car and said she did pass away. So that was very sad for me. I loved happiness with all my heart. Um, she was another mom to me. But, yeah, how I see it is that the day happiness died, I lost another mom, but I gained another brother, my foster brother. Um, so, yeah, I gained my second brother. And then that year, my mom gave birth to my younger brother. And that was one of the most happiest times of my life. <laughs> I love that child still to this day with all my heart. <laughs> um, so life was great for a while. And I was kept back in grade one because my birthday is the 27th of December. So, you know, I would be too young for the grade ahead and then, you know, just a little bit too old for the grade below. So we decided to keep me back. Um, so when I was 13, um, I got involved in a relationship with a guy that was 16. Um, and I was quite naive at 13. Um, 
people my age and older will say, like 13-year-olds, we're mature, but we're quite naive. The world was smaller. <laughs> and I got raped, um, plain and simply. And shortly after, the, after that, I started drinking and hanging out with all the kids, all the girls, all the guys. And I believed I was pregnant, um, even though I wasn't. <laughs> My little mind just thought, you know, if something like that happens, then you're pregnant. Um, and my parents found out, and I got, you know, a hard look at life, and we realized I was just on the wrong road, and we decided the best thing to do was for me to go to boarding school. Um, my older cousin was in matric when I went, and it was a German Catholic school. So I went. And it was great in the beginning, and I made a few friends. And then for holidays, I would come home, and I would hang out with not the greatest of friends. Um, some holidays, I would stay on my cousin's farm. I don't think there were many holidays, but it was just like, you know, the end of grade seven and the big, uh, grade eight. And slowly, things like just went bad from there. Um, at boarding school, I don't know why, but myself and the girls started to not get along in my grade. And I was friends with the older kids again. And I started drinking with them and experimenting with weed and sneaking out, you know, all those mischievous things you do as a kid in boarding school. Um, I also experienced a lot of sex addiction then already. And I started experimenting with cigarettes as well. Um, and I got bullied a lot. I had acne, like really bad acne. The guys would bully me. The girls started bullying me. And one day, I just decided to drink almost a whole bottle of Comprols. Now, if you are South African, you know that that is a really strong, you know, painkiller. Um, and I'll never forget it. I'll never forget this. Other people might have a different version of this story. But I remember one of the girls that were my friend. Um, and then became, you know, not my friend, <laughs> came and found me, you know, lying there and like almost lifeless, and she started praying. And I had lost a lot of faith by then, um, even though I was in the squash trying to understand God and Jesus, and I just, I studied my Bible, but I didn't really understand and I started vomiting up all these pills, and she carried me to the bathroom while I was vomiting. And by the time they had called the pastor, whose wife was the headmistress, um, he came and found me okay. And he was like, but Andrew's mom is on the way, and she seems fine. And then she explained why, you know. Um, and then at the end of the year, I did decide to go home, just because I missed my family. It was like, a thousand, over a thousand k's from home. Um, I'm probably going to be laughed at because it's probably not that far, but I don't know. <laughs> really bad with geography. And yeah, when I came home in grade nine, I was about 15 now, I started drinking more and going out and partying. And I got into a relationship with an older guy, two years older than me. Lovely, lovely human being. He was a full-on Christian and a believer. 
and we were both young and dumb, and you know, we we just didn't understand life really. And my sex addiction was just heightened in that relationship, and sadly. Um, and I had a miscarriage at the age of 15, 16. Um, that was tough. <laughs> um, yeah, it still chokes me up. I do have a lot of peace in all days about it. But I turned my back on God when I didn't really understand what had happened. Um, I was a bit naive, you know. And later on, I realized what happened, and I just blamed them. And, yeah, when I was in grade 10, now I was about 16, 17 to about grade 12, matric, my last year of school, it's all a blur because I was really, like, drinking and, and then on and off smoking weed and smoking cigarettes, and I was in and out of my house moving in with other people and living with my cousin, then living with my aunts, and then living with friends. And, you know, it really was it really was tough for my family and I because, you know, we didn't really understand what was going on with me and why I was being this way. Um, my little brother grew up, you know, with me in addiction from a young age, probably about the age of four or five. Um, so, yeah, when I was in grade 12, I got into another relationship that relationship just didn't work out very well um and um in grade 12 we decided to send me to rehab it's a short program i think it's like 27 days or something like that in matric um and shortly after i left i relapsed again i went to my matric dance against my mom's will um with my ex-boyfriend in matric. And she wanted better for me, you know, um, just because we were toxic for each other in that relationship. And, yeah, I relapsed and then uh, overdosed on mood stabilizers. My parents had to rush me to hospital to get my stomach pumped, one of the worst experiences and most painful experiences I've ever experienced. And I moved in and out with my aunts and other people. And at the age of 18, I got molested by a guy friend and his friend. And I didn't want to tell my parents. I felt so ashamed. I felt like it was my fault because I had relapsed and I was drinking and I wasn't meant to be drinking and out that night. And I dropped out of school for like a week or two, maybe even longer. Um went and wrote exams, drunk, you know. And eventually I got myself together and I moved in with my family again. And I managed to pass matric. But I was a full, full-on addict by this time. Um, I got into an abusive relationship with a really abusive guy. And, yeah, eventually I did come clean again. And then... I moved into my own flats when I matriculated and fell back into addiction, drinking almost every weekend, sometimes weekdays, smoking weed constantly. And then I got into a relationship with a cat addict. 
um, who also was abusive in many ways, sexually, emotionally, mentally, physically. Um, and I abandoned my flats that my parents got me. I left my jobs. And for about six, seven months, I was a cat addict. Now, some addicts might be saying that's not a lot of time. Um, if you have used any form of cocaine or cats or anything like that, because it was also switching between cocaine, you know, it doesn't need to take long for you to get hooked and to be full on. Um, by the time my grand saw me for the first time in a while, I was weighing 43 kgs. I now weigh 58. So, yeah, I was quite thin. Um, and then I also got involved in a gang who was Freemason. Um, eventually I left them. I plucked up the courage to leave them and just say that I don't want that life. They always followed me and knew where I was in the town. Um, but yeah. And then I just said here yeah, that all along I could hear God whispering, you know, saying to me, don't do this. Get on a straight and narrow path. But I kept on rejecting him and just, you know, denying him with my very lips. I got involved in witchcraft and sorcery. Um, I saw a spiritual healer and got involved in Reiki. Um, I had many encounters with demonic activity, a lot of encounters that I can't even describe to you. It's horror film stuff. Um, and Satan, you know. I dated boys that were in and out of weed addiction, ecstasy addiction, um, drug dealers. <sighs> yeah, and I was trying many drugs. I was trying ecstasy. I was trying cocaine on and off. I tried cat one, crack once. Um, and then eventually I got sober of alcohol for three years and I got sober of drugs for two years and even weed, you know. And then last year I went to Italy for three months. I was living at home before that and things were really going well. Um, but something was missing. I always said something's missing, you know. And then after those three months I didn't use in Italy, I experienced a lot. And as soon as I came back home to East London, South Africa, I relapsed. I was doing my TESOL certificate and my parents had to force me to get off weed or go onto the streets and I couldn't do that. I was dating a guy that was also smoking weed and I had to leave him and just focus on my TESOL certificate. So as soon as I got my TESOL certificate, what did I do? Relapsed. Um, and I just said, yeah, I was always dropping out of studies. I never completed any degree. I started education online and I dropped it. Um, and then my last relapse was the worst. I relapsed on weed first in November last year. Um, not last year, the year before that, um, 2019, sorry. <laughs> Keep forgetting it's 2021. And um, 
Yeah, uh, almost died. There were a few times where I drove and blanked out and then would like wake up still driving. And then I started drinking again. And eventually my parents were looking for houses here in Cape Town, South Africa. And I just didn't want anything to do with them. But I was I was free to, you know, use their house and use their money and eat their food. And I remember the last day I went drinking with friends. Um, I woke up the next morning to my mom wanting to video call me and I refused. I was like, no. And my cousin came over and my mom phoned me on the phone and she was like, we know you're drinking. And I've, of course, the addict in me denied it. So I was like, no, I'm not drinking. And then my cousin came over and she was like, my family name is Porks. And she was like, Porks, everyone knows you're drinking. Um, allowing her to drink, you know. Um, you're really bad friends. And then. My cousin asked me why did I relapse and why do I treat my family so badly but treat everyone else around me really well, you know. The words were, books, you're a good person to those that aren't your family. And I just burst into tears and I was like, I just feel like nothing. I feel like an atom moving through the air. That's how I felt. Like, I was nothing. I felt no purpose in life anymore. I felt like I had no reason to live anymore. And I said, I need to find the root, you know. She said, you need to go to rehab. <laughs> and eventually I did. I went to rehab on the 18th of January 2020. And it was my mom's birthday. <laughs> and um, I've been clean ever since. Jesus saved me at Jericho Recovery Center. I met him. <laughs> I had deliverance of many kinds. Um, sure. My life now and the strength I have today is unmeasurable. Um, I always knew I had a calling to help people, but I never knew how. I thought it would always be motivational speaking. And at Jericho Recovery Center, I realized it was motivational speaking through preaching. Um, ever since I gave my life to the Lord, I'm now studying <laughs> addictions counseling. I can't stop crying. <laughs> um, I've been sober for a year and two days today exactly. Um, I go to support groups. I am a part of Stellenbosch Baptist Church, and every now and then they let me speak up on stage. Um, I had my I got baptized there with them. Um, and I'm actually hosting a soul group tomorrow for the first time just by chance. <laughs> um, I started up my own YouTube channel called The Lord's Child. <laughs> I would have never done that in the past. I was always an extrovert when I was high or drunk, but 
an introvert when it came to actually socializing with people sober and speaking to them. Um, I never had social skills. And now I'm doing a YouTube channel and, and speaking on a podcast. Like, what are the odds? I never thought I would do this. Um, I went to study social work degree next, well, I'm applying this year for next year. And then I'm going to do theology, and I have big dreams to, you know, travel and do my testimony at the recovery centre I was at, and also at other recovery centres, and I want to open up my own rehab and plant churches. And tonight I stumbled into life's been different. You know, they followed me and I followed them back, and I just said, I'd love to share my testimony. I saw they do testimonies. And here I am speaking to you. Um, I'm learning to play ukulele. I'm starting to create art again. I uh, stopped creating art for five, six years, and I would create it on and off when I was high out of my mind, and I'd never know what's going on. I'm starting to sing again and develop my voice. And I'm starting to live. You know, that's what I want you to get from this story is that I started to understand the love of God and the love of Jesus and have this personal relationship with him where he appears to me in his form that he allows me to see. And he allows me to help people that are battling daily, addicts, people in abuse, people that are battling with gangsterism, whatever it is, I've experienced quite a lot that wasn't even in this video now. Um, but Jesus really saved me. He showed me my true potential, and each and every day he shows me. I was so discouraged this beginning of this week on Monday when I celebrated my year of sobriety. And I was like, you know, Jesus, am I doing what you want me to do? Am I doing it wholeheartedly? Is my YouTube channel even a benefit to people, you know? Satan likes to put that doubt in your mind. And for many, many years, 10 years of my life, I was his little pawn that he played every single day on the chessboard. And now I've got the greatest person protecting me, and that's Jesus. He was always there. He was always loving me. I have visions of him when I was in addiction, when I was a child, reaching out to me. Um, and he still gives me visions. He gives me these gifts that, you know, I don't truly understand and I'm still learning. I'm still a baby in Christianity, but my life has never been better since I gave my life to Jesus. And it's been one of the most freeing experiences I've ever experienced. And this is coming from someone that wasn't a believer, that had Christian mentioned here and there and went to church a few times and was like, this isn't for me. You know, God can reach anyone, friends. He can reach anyone. And I hope this helps you. Please go and follow my YouTube channel, The Lord's Child, and I'm also on Instagram. And thank you to this amazing, amazing program that has asked me to speak. Um, life's been better. Oh, life's been different, sorry. I really am privileged to have met this, this company, and 
touch you. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Life's Been Different podcast. For more information on Life's Been Different, our clothing and resources, music by Merlot, or OSL, the online discipleship course by Solid Lives, visit lifespindifferent.com. Hey, if you haven't received Jesus Christ to be your personal Lord and Savior, we would like to give you the opportunity right here, right now. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. I confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that he was raised from the dead and is alive today. Forgive me of my sins. Make me completely clean. Fill me with the Holy Spirit and help me become the person you created me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, congratulations. Welcome to the kingdom. Jesus is real. Turn from your sin, turn to him, and go and tell the world why your life's been different.